don't know. It, it's just a, a sideways, mm. possession, boring style of football. You know, I think boring is, is 10 years without a title. That's very boring. But yeah, it's just... Every day is the same. It's, it's Boy, is it boring? Yeah, really boring. I think you lack a bit creativity in the press at the moment and you follow a, a bandwagon that is uh, very, 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 very boring. Hello everybody and welcome back to Left Back in the Studio, the podcast that brings you the bad, the ugly and the boring of modern football. And we've certainly got a lot of that to talk about in today's show. And... Joining me, as always, in a very, very different sort of setting, Ben, surprisingly, is, of course, my co-host, Ben Cartwright, and we're, we're kind of together now for the very first time in a room together. <laughs> yeah, now I don't, I don't have to just hear your voice, I can also smell you and see you, which is just a sore for, a sight for any sore eyes. Um, yeah, but no, I'm joking. It's great to be with you in the flesh. Uh, we'll see how this podcast goes today. Absolutely. Very much looking forward to it. And we're going to kick off proceedings with a topic, Ben, that's very close to your heart, I have to say. Um, although at the moment, I'm not sure necessarily it's a, a topic you really want to be talking too much about. So it's just as well we're going to be talking about it then, really, isn't it? Yeah. And of course, this is Stoke, if people are unaware that Ben is, of course, a Stoke fan. I mean, in terms of starting the season badly, this is this is... Probably the worst start to a season for Stoke in any season in recent memory, really. Even in the championship championship back in those dark days. I mean, Mark Hughes is famously quite a bad starter for a season. So he always seems to have bad starts. Stoke didn't win until their seventh game last season. And they're going to have to wait that long again this year if they're going to get a win. Um, they had two fixtures this week against Hull in the EFL Cup and then West Brom at home in the league as well this week two of two the both the fixtures they would have been looking in, looking at them and thinking we we have to win one of these games and they didn't win either of them so i think with stoke fans and with the stoke camp there must be sort of a serious air of a, a well a lack of confidence in the team at the moment lack of um lack in their skill but there's clearly players there that that should be winning games uh, they've got a lot of talent there um one point i wanted to bring up actually that i'll do straight away is that tony pulis obviously the manager for West Brom, um, it was it was his thousandth game as manager, um, which is a huge a huge honour for him. Well done to Tony Pulis. But he said after the game about Stoke, they have an array of talent. We we haven't got that. And I'm thinking, Tony, you've spent just as much money as Stoke in recent years at West Brom. Um, they've got players like Nasser Chadley. Stop making excuses. How can you say that about your own team? How 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 do you feel as sort of how is Craig McCauley feeling? It's not even Craig McCauley, is it? I mean, I'm going to have to take your knowledge on that one, mate. Craig Dawson. How is Craig Dawson <laughs> sitting there in the dressing room thinking, oh, right, I thought I was, I thought I had the talent, but Tony has just gone into that press conference and said I don't have it. Um, but anyway, we're talking about Stoke, and yeah, disastrous start to the season. Would have hoped to turn it around against West Brom, and it just didn't happen. No, it was a little bit of a shocker yesterday, I have to say, and I don't think it was really helped by a match that both of us went to see midweek. And that was, of course, Stoke versus Hull City in the EFL Cup, the third round of the EFL Cup. And that game ended 2-1 to Hull City with, I guess, a dramatic winner for Hull in the last minute. And I guess, Ben, I, mean, looking, I was looking at the stat, actually, against Hull, and they hadn't, they hadn't lost, I think it was in 12 games to Hull prior to the game. So what, is, what has gone wrong with Stoke at the moment? Obviously, he talks about what Tony Pulis has said and saying that Stoke has an array of talent when we don't, talking about West Brom. But 
a lot of people, uh, based on what you said to me yesterday, a lot of Stoke fans want Hughes out. Are you? Uh, do you agree with their sentiments? I mean, after the Crystal Palace game, we lost 4-0 to Crystal Palace. I was very much in the Hughes out camp. I was retweeting hashtag Hughes out all over the place. Every sort of 30 seconds, there was a new tweet that I wanted to sort of wanted to unleash onto my Twitter because of my anger at Mark Hughes. But since then, I think we've played all right. And I mean, obviously, football is a results game. I don't want to go into the cliches too much, but you need results um, well, to stay in the league. We're, looking, we're in relegation form at the moment. There's no doubt about it. Um, but we've played better against Hull and we played better against West Brom. Obviously, not the best sides in the Premier League by any stretch of the imagination. Both poor sides in themselves. But the two results happened from last-minute goals. We lost to a, a last-minute goal against Hull. Some, some lovely football just before they got one of their sort of two shots on target, I think. Maybe maybe they had three or four, but not many shots on target. And they scored two of them when Stoke dominated to lose in the last minute. And the same again at West Brom. I mean, we didn't lose. We drew, but it felt like a loss. When you when you concede yet another last-minute goal, that bit, that lack of confidence at the last minute, it's just not, it's not good enough, but it's not Mark Hughes' fault, I don't think. I think the players have to take responsibility that you're playing football for 90 minutes... Stay, stay on your men. It's, it was a set piece goal again against Stoke. Obviously, famously under Pulis, with a team that would score the set pieces. Now, the team that doesn't score set pieces from set pieces, and we're the ones that concede from set pieces. It's just, it's awful. Maybe some of the blame is to Hugh, uh, is on Hughes, but I wouldn't sack him yet. Yeah. Well, I think we could talk about the woes for Stoke for another half an hour, to be honest, Ben. But we should probably move on to another topic for probably your sanity as much as every other listener's. And we're going to move on and talk about another team who is having a very, very bad, bad, well, season really, and that's Sunderland under David Moyes really. Um, yesterday, I was a very happy man because I have Jermaine Defoe in my fantasy team, so that many got me a lot of points, and that's when Sunderland were 2-0 up. And then it all just went wrong really, Ben. I mean, Moyes just cannot catch a break at the moment, can he? I'm not just talking about Sunderland, but in general, his managerial career since Everton has sort of just... I think his stock has plummeted, but you know, what, what do you make of Sunderland this season? And are they are they going to be able to escape relegation again? Are they going to be able to muster or rally themselves to do it? Because they don't look like it at the moment. I think Stoke and Sunderland are the two teams that haven't won the Premier League so far. In fact, I know that I know that much. Um, both teams haven't won, and obviously Sunderland were two goals up yesterday to the good against Crystal Palace, as you mentioned. Um, but I think Sunderland are one of those teams that have got relegation like earmarked on them. Like they're going to get relegated one season, so why won't it be this season? Like how how many seasons like Villa were before they got relegated last year? How many seasons have Sunderland been there or thereabouts and somehow got out of it? Just let them go down, have a season or two in the championship, have the rest of your history in championship for all I care. But it's just not good enough. They haven't been playing football well for a number of years and they deserve to go down. Don't deserve to be in the Premiership anymore. I'm sorry, Sunderland fans. Mm. And I feel like the irony of the fact that Newcastle went down last season when, uh, of course, everybody at Newcastle was elated by the appointment of Rafael Benitez and they thought they were all going to stay up. And yet, I think Newcastle have been down more than Sunderland have in, in the recent decade. Um, of course, famously when they went down under the Premiership of Alan Shearer at the end. Anyway, we're going to move on now to another topic and this is going to, we're going to focus a little bit on Leicester, actually, the champions of England, Ben. And I don't think many people, pundits, commentators, the like, really thought that Leicester were going to mount another title challenge. But they've just had a bit of a kind of jittery couple of results now against some good teams. But nevertheless, I think yesterday's game against United, I think, 
kind of reminded us about the golfing class between the top teams and Leicester really at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously everyone knows Leicester were riding a massive wave last season. They All the team were together. They're all playing fantastic football. Great team um, spirit, thanks to Claudio Ranieri, I think, in large parts. Um, and it's all just come tumbling down. It's hit the beach. The wave has sort of cascaded <laughs> over. Um, and obviously they, they got obliterated by Manchester United yesterday. Um, and I think in large parts it's down to their key players not turning up. Obviously... The only player they sold, quite surprisingly, really the only key player was um, Kante to Chelsea. Um, other than that, you've still got Vardy and um, Mares, of course, on the right wing, and neither of which have really turned up this season. I think has Vardy scored once in this in the season he, he so has far, scored this which season. was like a tap in, was it? It wasn't. It wasn't a great goal I think anyway. It was against Swansea. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are hardly a benchmark side to look at your well, yeah. form, really, aren't I'm, they? I'm sure we'll be talking about Swansea in a second. But yeah, I just think the fact... I don't think you can blame it on Ranieri, the manager, where we've been talking about other clubs where maybe you could blame it on the manager. Leicester, I think you've got to look at their key players. They did so much for them last season. Fair enough, but this is the new season and they they, they, they haven't performed yet as well as they can do. Absolutely, and remains to be seen now where Leicester will finish. And I'm, I'm, I'm still predicting a top-half finish, but... I think at the moment it is a bit of a low moment for, for Leicester, really, these last couple of results. We mentioned Swansea just a minute ago, Ben. So let's have a short, very, very brief chat about them at the moment and their manager, who's, whose name is always a fun one to pronounce, isn't it? I think you said he's one of the most forgettable managers in the Premier League and he's under severe pressure, that is for sure. And one of the names tipped to replace uh, Goodalin or Goodalin. Yeah, I can't even pronounce his name now. But I think the irony, as you also said, of being called Goodalin at the moment is uh, for all there, <laughs> all there to be seen. Um, but you know, Giggs has been tipped as a replacement for the Swansea manager at the moment. What do you make of all of this and 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 the stories that are floating around Swansea at this time? Well, I mean, back on Goodalin or Gwidlin, they call him <laughs> Goodalin. It's more like Badalin at the moment. As, yeah, <laughs> one of the most. I mean. Answer on a postcard, please, into the show. Tweet in at LB in the studio and let us know who you think is the most forgettable Premier League manager of all, of all time. I mean, obviously, Francesco, he's still not gone. Maybe we're saying that too early. Maybe we'll turn it around at Swansea and Maybe go on to have a great career. Soon, there you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, gigs, I think that's probably just paper talk, to be honest. Um, Steve Bruce has been linked with a Stoke job this morning in the paper. Mm. So I think it's that time when, when managers are under pressure. All the papers are going to try and get that story in, um, put the team in even more pressure that they probably don't need. Um, and obviously Giggs is unemployed at the moment um, and I'm guessing he's going to be looking for a managerial job at some point in the near future it might be a nice fit um, but also they're a Premier League they're a Premier League club should Ryan Giggs going straight into a Premier League club obviously he did manage Man United for a bit but I'm not sure he's ready for, for that he should start at a lower level for me mm. may to be seen on that as you say a lot of paper talk going around at the moment and we're going to have one Final topic to talk about before we talk about our regular feature, Worst Performance of the Week, and that is about Antonio Conte's Chelsea. Had a bit of a bit of a poor stutter, haven't they, really, Chelsea, now in these last couple of games? Got a couple of stats here to throw at you, Ben, which will hopefully be quite exciting. But yesterday, they obviously lost 3-0 to Arsenal, and the uh, stats that I saw were that Chelsea, the last time they were 3-0 down at half-time was against Liverpool in 2012. 
before Mourinho returned. And that's quite something, because Mourinho had quite a shocker, of course, last season. And yet even he could muster a better result against Arsenal than Antonio Conte. And last week they lost to Liverpool 2-1. And that was the first home game that Antonio Conte has lost in a 30-game unbeaten run. So there you go, a couple of interesting stats, which I think kind of sum up, really, uh, you know, a lot of people's views on Conte, that he's a great manager, but he's just not really doing it for Chelsea, is he, Ben, at the moment? And the big games, certainly. Yeah, I just I think the issue with Chelsea is that they didn't strengthen in key areas. Obviously, they brought in David Luiz. Is, can David Luiz defend? I mean, he's been around for a number of years, and I don't think anyone can really say for sure whether he can or he can't defend, which is, he's a centre-back. How, how do we not know? If, how is there still that sort of air of... Of like of of the unknown around David Luiz, I don't understand um, how they're paying thirty million euros or pounds or whatever it was. Even though he is the most expensive defender we, ever. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> how, how is that a, like? Oh, because he can pass and he's he's got a good <laughs> he's got a good attitude. What is that about? Um, and then I mean, we're going to get into Gary Cahill in a bit, but Gary Cahill, I think he's one of the most he's 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 the luckiest player to have a career. I think he's had such a good England career. And such a good Chelsea career. And I don't mean good because he played well. I mean good because he's played a lot. And I don't think he deserves it. They bought him from Bolton. I didn't rate him much then. Um, he played for Bolton when Stoke City thrashed them 5-0 in the FA Cup semi-final back in 2011. And then Chelsea signed him. So, I mean, he, the signs were there for my own eyes. And since then, I've sort of have, I've had a bit of disdain towards his success. I mean, I don't want to sort of laugh in the face of others' failures. But when he keeps on... <laughs> passing the ball to other people's strikers for them to score it, it does put a smile on my face. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, now that Ben's got his rent out of the way, we're going to make a little segue from the uh, some of the games that we've been looking at this week and talk about the worst performance of the week. So yesterday we released a Twitter poll, Twitter poll I should say, Let's try and say that ten times fast, um, on the Left Back in the Studio Twitter page. And... We put up a number of candidates for this, Ben, and we've got the results in. So, first of all, these were the candidates. We've got Gary Cahill, which we talked about briefly, and we'll talk about it in more depth in a second. Wayne Rooney, Dimitri Selleck, and Ahmed Al-Mohamedi. So, before we talk about the obvious choices, let's talk about, briefly, Dimitri Selleck. Because if people haven't really been following this story, and they may not even know who he is... What, why have we put him on there, Ben? Why has he been tipped to have the worst performance of the week? Well, he's come out. This is this is Yaya Torre's agent, if you didn't know. Um, and he's come out and sort of just put Yaya Torre in the absolute mud. I mean, I don't know. We don't know, really. I don't think anyone knows, except for Yaya Torre, if, if, this is, if Dimitri Selic is acting as sort of the, the voice box for Yaya Torre and his feelings. But he's come out and said a number of things, like, oh, well, because Pep Guardiola said if you want to get back in the team, you need to apologise to me, which is fair enough. Um, and then in response to that, Dimitri Selic said, um, he doesn't need to apologise to Pep Guardiola, Yaya Torre. What Pep Guardiola needs to do is apologise to Manuel Pellegrini, which is just a ludicrous thing to say. I mean, if anyone wants to, to apologise to Pellegrini, there needs to be Man City. That's nothing to do with Pep Guardiola. Then the pick for me, the, the, the best quote out of a number of Quotes. I'm sure you've got one as well, Kieran. Is if Pep Guardiola wants to prove himself as a great manager, he should go to Sunderland. I mean, well, Sunderland fans would probably be very happy with that at the moment. <laughs> but this sort of stance, I mean, I know that you agree as well, Kieran. This stance that Pep Guardiola sort of walks into clubs and does a great job because they've got great players is just 
a bunch, it's a load of rubbish. I mean, I want to swear, to be honest, but I can't. Um, it's a family podcast. And yeah, I think it's just ludicrous thing to say. Yeah, I think the funny thing as well is he t- keeps talking about how Pep Guardiola has humiliated Yaya Toure by not selecting him in the Champions League squad. And yeah, he's trying to say that if Pep Guardiola doesn't win a Champions League, then he has to give Yaya Toure an apology. I mean, how, there's only one team that can win the Champions League. And yet, because City obviously made it to the semi-finals last season, he's thinking, well, if he doesn't better that, then why? You know, as, as if Yaya Toure is going to make the difference in that team at this moment, when you've got the likes of Kevin De Bruyne, Silva, uh, Gundogan, who's just come in, and players like that. So I think we all agree that it's absolute nonsense. But I think the point we're trying to make here is, I mean, who is Dimitri Selic really helping in this situation? <laughs> he's helping nobody, really, other than his own profile. Um, and that, all it's doing now is just, I think consolidating the discord that already existed between Yaya Toure and Pep Guardiola. But anyway, we're not going to kind of talk about this for too, too much. But should we just go over the results then briefly of the poll and just give our thoughts on it? So the winner of the poll, perhaps by no surprise in some respects, was Gary Cahill with a 56%, 56% of you saying that Gary Cahill had the worst performance of the week. Dimitri Selic was in second place with 22%, and Ahmed Al Mahabadi and Wayne Rooney were tied at 11%. Before we talk about Gary Cahill briefly, Ben, Wayne Rooney, uh, perhaps a bit surprised that he's, he is as low as 11%, really, because you know, being dropped from the team is quite, quite a bad. Well, as I said here, certainly uh, it makes him a candidate for the worst performance of the week, really, when he's been captain of both the national team and his club. I guess the issue with the, the, the fact that he's worse, he's in this poll is not by the fact that he performed badly in this week. It's that the fact that he's performed badly for the entire season. It's like an accumulation, mm. which has meant that he's got dropped from, from the Manchester United team. And then Manchester United went on to win against Leicester, emphatically. Um, and I think at this point in time, where maybe a couple of years ago or a year ago, or maybe even six months ago, a lot of Manchester United fans, if dropping Wayne Rooney was mentioned, they would have been like, no, 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 he is our, he's our talisman, he's our like, best player, he's our focal point. And at this point, I saw a poll of uh, Man United fans on a, one of their fan websites. I think 98% of fans said that they thought he should be dropped. So I think for that fact, the fact that his sort of, the view of Manchester United fans has changed so much, um, that's why he's, he's deserving of being that poor one perhaps why he should have got a few more votes from, from the loving public. Absolutely, and I think the Wayne Rooney situation will be very, very interesting because I think a lot of people now are making bold predictions saying, is this the end for Wayne Rooney's career? I mean, he's, he's only been dropped once, and let's not forget that Sir Alex Ferguson dropped Wayne Rooney a couple of times towards the end of his tenure. Famously, I think, was the Real Madrid game when he was benched, and yet, of course, Wayne Rooney still managed to retain his captaincy in the follow-up season, so perhaps Ferguson was onto something, who knows? Um, wouldn't be surprised to be honest he of course was a very very well a very good manager that's putting him mildly but let's talk about the winner again Ben of this poll Gary Cahill you mentioned him briefly perhaps I can let you go on a bit of a mini rant now but I mean I think <laughs> after seeing his performance yesterday which was absolutely shocking um, and then sort of reflect back against Swansea when he had that massive rant at, uh, I think it was at a, on a BB, on the BBC. He had an interview on the BBC about how the Swansea goal should never have stood. It was a foul all day long. 
I think the uh, pass he gave to Alexis Sanchez was far from being a foul, wasn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I tweeted during the game, actually, quite proud of this one, so I'll say it out on air as well. Um, that Obviously, well, after the foul last week against Swansea, I think he said um, the referee could have seen that foul from the moon. <laughs> so I was like, if, if, if he can see that foul from the moon, then he can definitely also see that Gary Cahill is, at, is playing atrociously at the moment. <laughs> um, I think it's plain for all to see that he's not on good form. Chelsea are missing John Terry dearly, which is a it's a bad place to be. And John Terry is not getting any younger. Of course, mm. he's he's gonna be he's gonna be on the same sort of boat as Wayne Rooney short, shortly um, to the retirement home. I think um, so. Chelsea not having a full-time replacement for John Terry is a big issue, and Gary Cahill definitely doesn't. He doesn't definitely doesn't fit that massive John Terry-sized hole, mm. in my opinion. Um, yeah, so that's why he's in there. And he deserves to win because he's awful. <laughs> yeah, he has been awful certainly of late. And I, to be fair to Gary Cahill, give him a, a little bit perhaps of. Uh, uh, I won't let him be the complete scapegoat, but I think like yesterday when your manager is also changing your formation in the middle of a match I don't think it really helps and also having David Luiz as your defensive partner doesn't really help things either I saw a funny tweet yesterday that said Gary Cahill and David Luiz are the worst defensive partnership since Gary Cahill and David Luiz and I think he's onto something there right we're going to move on then to some interesting and funny social media stories that we've caught Ben throughout the weekend in particular um Let's start off with the Manchester United-Leicester game then because there were a couple of funny things we saw in here. The first of which was some interesting comments, Ben, from uh, Mr. Jamie Vardy, which may or may not surprise you, but he, he has a bit of a potty mouth now and then, doesn't he, Ben, to say the least? <laughs> well, of course, this season we've, we've seen the Stoke City rules come into play, so you're no longer allowed <laughs> to hold people in the box. And, of course, you're no longer allowed to have a go at the ref if you play for Stoke because other teams are apparently allowed to say whatever they want, including Jamie Vardy, um, who's obviously in the news has been, has been, well, he's been known to sort of have a go at the referee using potty language, I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, and this time he decided to call Mike Dean a f- I know, that is absolutely awful language. Surprise, surprise that Jamie Vardy would use that sort of language. I can actually remember him doing, well, getting very, very annoyed with the referee after the West Ham game, funnily enough, where he got sent off. So there we go. Clearly, consistency is obviously um, at, at the heart of refereeing. So let's move on to another interesting one, which involves less potty language. And that is Wayne Rooney. And of course, him being dropped yesterday, Ben, was massive, massive news. But did you really expect him to be trending more than a Mr. Jeremy Corbyn after yesterday? And let me explain a bit further for those who weren't uh, kind of following what was going on on Twitter yesterday. Well, of course, the big story yesterday for Wayne Rooney. I mean, he's always going to be talked about now, regardless of if he's playing clear and if he's on the bench. Um, so sorry, Wayne. Uh, you're gonna get you're gonna get some some talking time, forever, basically. Um, but at the same time, there was the small matter of the Labour leadership election, which is obviously big news at the moment. But Jeremy Corbyn had just won the Labour leadership, so this is the opposition of the government at the moment winning the leadership of his party, and Rooney was trending on Twitter more than Corbyn, which is just incredible, really. I mean, you talk about the impact of sports, and specifically football. That's incredible. Yeah. I think it does show to you, like, I think you were saying this to me yesterday, Ben, about how it perhaps shows that football is so much more globalised now. And uh, somebody like Jeremy Corbyn, who is very, very 
famous within Britain maybe doesn't have that same effect on an international stage. Maybe people don't you know, care as much. And obviously a lot of this sort of happened simultaneously as well. Obviously the, the team news was released at half 11 yesterday. The results in the Labourship Leadership Contest were 11.45. So, But yeah, interesting stats though, I have to say. Um, and the final bit I want to talk about actually is going to be related to something that we saw in the Arsenal game actually yesterday which I think in kind of irked you a little bit, Ben, which was uh, when Chelsea, funnily enough as well, another good stat here is that Chelsea did not have a shot on target until the 80th minute. But leading up to that, there was an interesting chance from a Mr. Diego Costa, which went, well, quite far wide, very far wide, I should say, of the post. But the commentator said an interesting uh, comment, didn't he, Ben, about, you know, when you go and say, oh, uh, that was a half chance there. He said that it was a quarter chance. What's that all about? What is a quarter chance? I mean, <laughs> we live in an age where stats are everything. And obviously you now get stats for assists, which is fair enough. You get stats for goals, of course. But also you get stats for chances created. But he used, he used quarter chance. I mean, how far does this go? Obviously, half chance I can understand. It's not a chance that you expect to score, but maybe you get on the end of it and you, you, you make a good finish and it goes in. Quarter chance... Maybe in two years' time, we'll have a 16th chance. Oh, one in 16 times, that'll hit the back of the net. I'm sorry. Don't use quarter chance. Don't use eighth chance. Stick to half chance and chance, please. I, don't, I can't be bothered with that sort, of, that sort of detail, that mathematics. I'm watching football. I don't want to be thinking about numbers too much anyway. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, though, a lot of these comments are also said by commentators on BT like Steve McManaman and Glenn Hoddle who are very controversial I feel sometimes on the Twitter sphere in terms of their commentary expertise so they're going to start throwing out numbers and statistics out willy-nilly I don't really think people are necessarily going to take them to heart or too too accurately let's put it mild let's put it that way at least so with that in mind Ben has one last story to talk about. Just a quick line on, on an injury yesterday for a Sporting Gijon player. Um, so he's on, loan, he's on loan at Sporting Gijon from Barcelona. He's called Douglas. Um, and he suffered an injury on the, way to the, on the way to the match. Which, I mean, it sometimes happens. You sometimes have players missing out on the, on the squad because of an injury. This, is, this injury was due to a bad sleeping position, apparently, on the coach there. Imagine that you got you're excited for this big Barcelona game, and then you get injured on the bus there because you've been sleeping wrong. Seems really strange. I I would love to see what position he was in. If he was like doing a handstand or something while he was sleeping and he fell over, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I, want, I do want to know how bad it was and how if it really did affect him. Was it not very noticeable on the bus? Did people not just look at him and think, that's a very odd sleeping position. Why has he got his leg up around his head? Oh, I don't know what is going on here. Um, and then all of a sudden he ends up being injured. So, oh well, I think you know that's the reason why, of course, Sporting Eon lost yesterday, wasn't it, Ben? That makes a lot of Five sense. 5-0. I, th I, <laughs> I think someone needs to get the message out to someone like Daniel Sturridge and Jack Wilshere that just to be careful when they're sleeping. You never know how injured you can get from a sleeping position. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's been it the whole time. You know, We just haven't seen those files yet about those sleeping positions that they keep getting injured from. But nevertheless, that's a nice little story, I guess, to finish on. And that's going to bring an end to Left Back in the Studio, our, our latest episode. And so all I can say is thank you to everybody 
who has listened and tuned in. Ben, how can people get in touch if they want to? Well, you can let us know what you thought on Twitter. Let us know any opinions what you th- of what you thought of this week's football. Maybe a bad performance that you saw at LB in the studio. So give us a follow. Um, you can also listen to the podcast on iTunes if you didn't do that. If you listened on um, SoundCloud and obviously the other way around, we're on SoundCloud to listen to if you want to do that as well. So plenty of ways of getting involved, but Twitter is the main one if you want to have a go at us. Absolutely. And any Hughes out tweets will be pinned to the Twitter page. Anyhow, we're going to move on and say thank you everybody to listen, who has listened in, tuned in, and we will be back next week 